coming in loud and clear. This is the Hustle and Cashflow Podcast. We're in the getting paid business. Real estate investing, creating wealth, and living life on your terms. Live the life you've always dreamed of. Money is the answer. And now, your host, Carlos Rodriguez. Hey, everybody. It's Carlos Rodriguez, your host for the Hustle and Cashflow Podcast. This is our very first episode, so thank you very much if you're tuning in. What we're going to be talking about, basically, this podcast is going to be about my journey in real estate. I've been a financial planner for the last 15 years, and of those 15 years, I've been steadily investing, buying, selling, renovating, building, all sorts of real estate, and and quite a bit to do with real estate, uh, raising capital for different developers, Um, and now I'm kind of raising capital for myself. We'll get to that in in just a minute. But uh, like I said, I started out as a financial planner back in 2003 with uh, one of the largest insurance companies in Canada. And then after about 10 years or so of doing that, decided to to leave because, well, they wouldn't let me talk about uh, real estate. I got to a point where I was kind of having a hard time justifying selling the, the stuff they wanted me to sell, the mutual funds, the the GICs, the segregated funds. Life insurance was was one thing. I mean, it, there was no better option other than, you know, what we were doing out there uh, as far as, you know, products were concerned. But from a wealth creation standpoint, mutual funds and segregated funds just aren't it. I mean, look at all the people that you know and tell me if you know any one of those people that became wealthy or created created wealth in their in their lifetime using mutual funds or or segregated funds don't get me wrong i mean it's it's a useful vehicle for you know storing and and you know moving yourself forward in certain instances but as far as creating life-changing sources of wealth that just ain't it and in my opinion it's it's real estate so um when i when i was coming up uh, as a struggling uh, financial planner at first you know those first couple of years are like with any business um, you know, you're, you're struggling to, to, to make a foothold and, and create, you know, money on a re- regular basis, bring money in on a regular basis, sell your product. In 2003, I mean, I was a young cat and, you know, single at that point. A few years after that, I'd met my, um, my girlfriend who would, you know, one day become my wife and, uh, you know, started thinking about if I'm still struggling, you know, every year was getting better, but you want to be at a point where you can provide, to, for the family when, the kitties come along and uh, life throws some curveballs at you. So, you know, I realized that I was going to need uh, another source of income. It just kind of kept coming back to, to real estate, you know, where I could do that, put put some properties in place and at the same time, you know, grow my practice. And, uh, you know, I always thought that they would balance each other out and give us a, a really nice lifestyle, which ultimately it did. But at the end of the day, you know, I needed something that was going to not need 100% of my time, create money, you know, cash flow in, in, on a regular basis and even out my, my paycheck, basically, is what I was after. Because, I mean, if you're a, a commission-only person, you know that you're, you're going to have those feast and famine moments. So I wanted something that was, was going to level the playing field. And uh, so anyways, bought my first property, I think it was back in 2007. This was shortly after I got married. It was an interesting experience at that point. Um, we were just coming out of a recession or just going into, or this is a, 
point of contention with me and my wife, whether we were coming going into a recession or not. But we had some fantastic interest rates on the first house anyways that we bought that we were living in. You know, I always wanted the duplex, you know, to, to start our portfolio right off the bat. And, you know, she wasn't having it. So she went out the, for on the first one. But as far as having the portfolio, you know, when we started, that was actually one of our biggest fights was when we were dropping her off at her house, at her parents' house. And, you know, we were talking about the future and, and things of that nature. And I brought up the fact that I wanted a portfolio of real estate properties that uh, were going to pay me some money and uh, or make money for for the family. And she didn't come up in that type of household. I think the most riskiest investment my my in-laws have ever done was the GIC. And um, anyways, uh, we'll, we'll leave that one at that. And, uh, you know, but she came up and you go to work, you get your, your nine to five job and you get your pension. And when you retire, you enjoy your, your retirement. And that was it. But that was not definitely the, the lifestyle that uh, or the, the type of household that I was brought in. Uh, brought up in, you know, both my grandfather and my dad were uh, heavy investors into real estate. Uh, my dad was a, a very successful real estate agent uh, in the Hamilton area. And I think at one point in the early 90s, he was like TD Bank's top preferring real estate agent. So the dinner table talk was always about business and, and real estate and, you know, making your own way and things of that nature. And uh, so, you know, from a very young age, I had... Uh, that entrepreneurial bug put on me and um, really kind of gravitated towards that. I never, never really, I don't know if it was because of that or, you know, that, that upbringing that I had, but never really liked working for somebody else or having somebody tell me, you know, this is how it's supposed to be done or, or you know what I mean? This is how, the way that I want you to do it. I always, always had my own ideas, um, got me into a little bit of trouble, but, uh, anyways, ultimately ended up crafting my own path in, uh, it was real estate, uh, learned quite a bit from, from my, my grandfather and my dad, uh, coming up, but it wasn't, it was more about the renovations than anything else. And, uh, I didn't really pick up what real estate could do until I was a financial planner. I was only a financial planner for a couple of years. When I met a gentleman by the name of John, he really kind of opened my eyes to what the possibilities of uh, owning real estate could do. I think he had something like 63 units at the time. How it ended up uh, working out was I, I was living with my grandmother for, for a, a small stint, and he owned the... Uh, my, my grandmother had a, a duplex. Uh, she lived in one apartment, and or we lived in one apartment, and then she rented out the one uh, above us. And then uh, um, it was a semi, semi-detached house. So the next door was also uh, a duplex. And this gentleman, John, uh, he owned that property. I, I believe he owned it. Uh, he, I mean, he was doing the maintenance on it. But uh, we got to talking. And I never really talked about real estate at that point. He was more, it was more, uh, you know, he was very well-versed in, you know, on Portugal and knew a lot of, a lot about that, and uh, which kind of shocked me. I'm Portuguese and, you know, to to talk about the history and and whatnot with some people and uh he uh, he educated me which was kind of funny um you know this white english dude was was teaching me about my heritage and, and things of that nature which was kind of cool but you know we we kind of lost touch for a little bit and a few months later you know he ends up coming into my office at uh, at this insurance company that i was working for and ultimately you know it ended up that uh, his mom had had bought him a life insurance policy with our, our company 
when he was born and uh, she when she passed on she gave him the policy and he wanted to know about it and uh, it was just kind of a fluke that um it was it was already put with me i just hadn't been able to get in touch with this guy so i ended up finding out that the reason why he was so hard to get in touch with was he was always traveling and uh, him and his wife because they had all these properties i think they had something like 63 units uh, at one point and it was giving them such a, a nice income along with uh, a pension that he had from from being a, a teacher as well uh, but the 63 63 units was was incredible i mean i never even heard of anybody having anywhere near that i mean my dad at one point had 10 and i thought that was pretty awesome um but you know i, ne I had never met anybody with a lot more units than than that so anyways when he said 63 and it's like yeah you know when uh, when we want to go travel we just basically pack a bag go to the the airport and see what's on tap i'm like holy mackerel what well, that's an amazing lifestyle i mean how do you how do you accomplish something like that so he starts telling me about some of the properties he has and and uh, because i mean part of what i was doing in that that meeting with him you know discovering telling him about the policy but also discovering about uh, his finances and how i might make him a, a better client um, because there was some some cash dividends in in the policy and i was trying to get him to to move that money into a, a segregated fund which would have given him the potential of a better better return but uh or far better than what was in the the life insurance policy but then he ended up turning around and said, you know, I only invest in real estate. The, the conversation went on from, from there to uh, discovering what he had done with his policy or with it, with his properties. And uh, I mean, it ended up that he, he hadn't bought, you know, the, the nicest of properties in the nicest of areas of, of Hamilton. But uh, at the same time, you know, the, the cash flow coming from these 63 units at, at that point had really given him a phenomenal lifestyle. And, uh, you know, my, my horizons were expanded at that point and being a, a financial planner, I mean, after that meeting, it was just kind of like, it just, it just wouldn't go away. You know, it's always there nagging you in the back of your mind, like, wow, that's how do you get the 63 units? And I never asked him per se on that. I mean, I just figured that it, it was a snowball effect that, uh, from the properties, but later on learned that it's a, it's a little bit more, more difficult to, uh, build at least it is now, you know, given all the the rules and regulations that we have on mortgages and and what we can do. Anyways, ended up ended up going back to my desk and just kind of, you know, really kind of getting into the numbers and was like, okay, he's got sixty three units. If he makes this, that you know, just kind of looking at at what the cash flow could be. And he had told me, you know, with the little bits of information that he'd given me about, you know, how much of a mortgage he had on certain properties and you know, what kind of properties there were and, and what was, you know, then you kind of go on through the internet and you look at the, the, the rents and what mortgage rates are now and so on and so forth. And you just kind of start piecing things together. You know, uh, I mean, I, I, it wasn't to be nosy. Don't get me wrong. I just wanted to kind of like, okay, what's possible here? What, what's this guy, what's this guy doing? And I mean, by the time I was looking at those numbers, like, holy moly, some people don't even make that in, the, in a year, you know, and I was kind of, kind of blown by blown away by that like you know what i think i found it this is this is going to be this is the the next direction that i'm going to take to uh to help bring cash into to the household so when i got married the first thing that we did uh maybe about a year after we got married buying a rent to own property uh, on the Ham hamilton mountain it was a nice little bungalow 
you know, and I had a I had potential to be split up into two apartments uh, down the road if I wanted to do that. But at that point, it that wasn't something that had come into mind. I wanted to get something that would bring in cash flow with the, the minimalist of work. So nice home, nice area, get the best tenants we could possibly get. Uh, and and see if that thing would cash flow. And what I mean cash, what I mean by cash flow is that after all expenses are paid, mortgage, insurance, uh, taxes, you know, any kind of maintenance on the house, that there's some money left over that we could use to spend. And with that that particular property, I mean, it was an, ended up being we bought it for two hundred fifty thousand. And at that time, the rent for and keep in mind this is a rent to own, so we we were charging a premium. And a portion of that rent would go towards the down payment for these people to buy the house from us at some point in the future. And uh, so, you know, there's a couple of contracts with that. Uh, there's the, the lease agreement. Uh, and then there's something called an option to buy agreement where uh, it stipulates what the tenant is going to buy the house from you at within the first year, second year, or third year, depending on how long a contract you want with these people put that together and um the first couple of years we were doing about 300 after all expenses which is okay it doesn't sound like a lot of money but just that 300 bucks was enough to create an uh, enough room in our budget um to to really kind of start to expand and and uh you know you get a sense that the average person uh, this is something i read in the book the average person is something like 200 away from uh, bankruptcy every month or something along those lines and um, you know I started to see in our budget it was like you know plus or minus 200 bucks uh, every month that we were would either have to dip into the line of credit and then pay it back or you know we were ahead by a couple of bucks and you know but it was always it never allowed us enough space in our budget to to stretch out to to go on the um, quote-unquote go on the offense and uh, and start to invest and at a greater greater amount than what we were doing, you know, the the hundred bucks a month or whatever it was that we were putting into RSPs, it was kind of meager. And frankly, when you calculate that out, a hundred bucks a month, even if we're starting at eighteen, it I mean, it's it's peanuts. You know, you're not gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be still struggling in retirement, and hopefully you have other sources of income at that point. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, that's we're good enough on a tangent there. But yeah, this this three hundred bucks a month was just enough to allow us to kind of broaden our horizons with our investments. We were able to a couple of years later buy a second property uh, in Cortez, Ontario, which um, uh, we may end up making a lot of money on that. But uh, we rented it to a couple at one point that split up a few years after we had bought it. Um, at that point, we were making I think it was another three hundred dollars a month in cash flow. And then when we refilled it, it bumped it up to $800 a month in cash flow. And, you know, at that point, when we had when we had signed the lease with the second couple that came in, the second you know set of people that we rented this, this house to, it was just at that point where the market was starting to go crazy. Like it was just ramping up, just warming up. And, and so, you know, we still made quite a bit of money on this property, but they ended up this couple ended up buying the house from us i think it was maybe two years after they they came in after we started renting to own to these people and um 
you know, we had stipulated in the, the optional buy agreement, I think it was an increase of 5% per year. Well, when they bought it, they bought it from us for, for, I believe it was just, just shy of $400,000. And, uh, there was a house down the street that sold for 500, just exactly the same house footprint, the whole bit just down the street, a couple of doors and uh, same condition, everything. I mean, it was almost an identical house. I think the bricks on the house were the only thing different. And uh, they ended up selling the house for 500, just over 510, which, you know, I mean, that was basically money that we left on the table because these people had, had bought it from a, from us, our house anyways, for just shy of $400,000. Even though we made a lot of money, we still left a big chunk on, on the table. And it was unfortunate that we, uh, it was a learning, learning experience, you know, I mean, goes to show you that, uh, rent to own can be a, a double edged sword. Um, typically, you know, we were, we were in rent to own, uh, because I mean, it, it, it attracted, um, a better tenant, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they, they have a vested interest in keeping the house in the, its best condition. Um, you know, from time to time we would run into people that was like, well, you know, can we renovate the ba basement? If it was a house that didn't have a finished basement or, or needed, needed some renovations that, you know, we'd always get the, can we renovate this? And that's like, yeah, sure. You know, I mean, obviously that we have to put some conditions on it. It's got to be done by, you know, the work has to be done by, by somebody that knows what they're doing. You know, no, I don't want to have any weekend warriors trying to, uh, tear into my house. And all of a sudden you've got structural problems and all sorts of headaches. It's, no, if you're going to get it done, it's got to be done right. There's got to be plans. There's going to be permits. There's got to be a guy who knows how to swing the hammer and, uh, and get the, the job done. So anyways, all in all, the point that I'm trying to make is that it it, uh, it can be a double-edged sword. There can be some definite benefits there, but in, in times like, you know, at that point where the market ju was just starting to ramp up and when they bought it, it was it was smoking hot. And, uh, you know, we ended up leaving a little over 100000 bucks on the table, which still hurts. But um, anyway, you learn and you move on. And uh, you know, now we have uh, a decent-sized portfolio. I've written a book called uh, Property Profits, A Lazy Investor's Guide to Making Money in Real Estate, even if you don't have the time or patience for all the BS. It's a big mouthful but uh, for a title, but um, ended up going becoming inter an international bestseller. Uh, I think it was Australia first, then the UK, then Canada, and then uh, the United States. Uh, it, was a, it was a bestseller there. So if... Uh, if you're looking for a copy or if you'd like to, to check it out, um, it, we should have it on the website, uh, which is uh, www.hustleandcashflow.com. So H-U-S-T-L-E-N-C-A-S-H-F-L-O-W.com. Um, and if you'd like to send us some, uh, some questions or uh, some comment on the show, uh, we're always looking for some great, great feedback and, uh, you know, other other topics to, to talk about um, in the show, but uh, you can send it to questions at hustleandcashflow.com. Uh, it's not and, it's not hustle and cashflow, it's hustle and cashflow. So if uh, you, you, it doesn't come up at first, try that difference. Um, yeah, so anyways, as far as this podcast is concerned, we're going to be talking about, you know, my journey and uh, what what I'm doing now. 
the goal at this point, and it's been my dream for, for a long time, is to uh, to build a, a multi-story building, um, 10 stories, you know, 100 units, something 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 fantastic like a mid-level kind of uh development and um i think once once i get there you know the the sky's the limit nothing uh, nothing is uh, can stop me at that point the whole thing looking at it i mean you you drive by um these big big buildings and whatnot and you wonder how the heck did the guy put the money like does somebody have that deep of pockets that they can just you know put their money money down does is that how it works and um you know my my career has kind of been trying to to hunt that down to hunt down the the answer to those questions of how how am i going to put this building up how am i going to you know do this on my own and um you know i'm i'm convinced it's possible and i know other people that have done similar types of of buildings and we'll probably try to get them on here and and you know tell us our their story uh, and hopefully we can learn from that. But, um, you know, as a financial planner, I uh, got to the point at at uh, the insurance company that I was at, they wouldn't let me talk about uh, real estate uh, to uh, to my clients. So I left. And, um, you know, once, once I left, I opened up Magellan Wealth Management, which is an independent bro- financial planning brokerage, again, based in Hamilton, Ontario. And um, from there, you know, just kind of shifted, shifted gears, stopped uh, really talking about segregated funds and things of that nature. I mean, I still had my clients and there are those people that, um, you know, they, they see what you're doing. They see how the benefits are. And, uh, you know, I try to invite them in to, uh, to see exactly what I'm doing and in a sense, become a part of it, uh, depending on, on if they want to invest in our projects and things of that nature. And, you know, I'm, I'm very much. A proponent that uh, um, you can't do it all by yourself you know there's gonna be times that you need you need to ask for help you need to uh, you know tap other sources of capital of knowledge you know and uh, anyways we'll uh, we'll get to that uh, in future episodes as well um, but anyways um, with with those people that um, are just kind of stuck in investing into the mutual funds it's more about fear you know that they 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 don't want to move from that they don't want to lose what they've got and uh unfortunately um they're missing out a huge huge piece of the pie that can make some massive differences uh but hopefully you know they they get to uh i'm not i'm not shy about you know telling people you know what we're doing and, and what it's doing for us so um anyways it's not about bragging it's uh trying to enlighten people right so yeah um basically i'm gonna i'm gonna try and build that 10-story building these podcasts are gonna be what i'm learning the journey to that it's uh it's gonna start off slow and uh hopefully we'll we'll be able to paint a paint a beautiful picture you know with big paychecks and um yeah lots of fun so um anyways Please, uh, please write in uh, if you can. Again, our website is www.hustleandcashflow.com, H-U-S-T-L-E-N-C-A-S-H-F-L-O-W.com. And uh, email us at questions at hustleandcashflow.com. Again, I'm your host, Carlos Rodriguez. And uh, thank you very much for tuning in. And cut. Okay.
Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Hustle and Cashflow Podcast. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Obviously, this is all about money. Money talks. I want to make money. Money. You got any money? When it comes to real estate investing, creating wealth, and living life on your terms, this is your podcast. We'll be back soon. This is the Hustle and Cashflow Podcast. Signing off. Bye-bye. Bye.